When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My eye, for the record, was not wandering. It was lazy. So it was simply, it, it was it was uh, just not working functionally. Yeah, it so wasn't I, one of those ones that you look at the person, you don't know where to stare at. Right, right, right. And so Your eye is all over the place. Okay, there's maybe some of our listeners who have wandering lazy eyes, okay? Well, I kind of think you do have a little bit of a lazy eye. What the fuck? A little bit. I <laughs> have a lazy eye. I don't have a uh, wandering eye. It kind of wanders sometimes, No, too. it never wanders. Okay, never mind. Sometimes I see double, I'll tell you that much. everyone, and welcome to this episode of Sex Talk with my mom. This is the ultimate podcast about the birds and the bees with a sex expert cougar mother. And her stand-up comic son, Cam. <laughs> <laughs> and the day that this is being released is the day after my birthday. Happy birthday, son. Thank you very much. I'm now 27 years old. I'm not currently 27 years old, but the time you're hearing this, I will be 27 years old. And how do you feel about that? I feel pretty good. I think twenty. I, th- I think um, I think twenty seven is going to be a peak year. Don't You're people peak, peak in their twenty seven? I, I, I don't. I, I've heard that before. That people peak when they're twenty seven. I peaked when I was forty seven. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that not a surprise? Do you know, they, they, they do say that women have reached a sexual peak much later than men. Really? Yeah. Well. So, yeah. Peaking away. Well, I don't know where I heard that from, so just disregard that. This is a fun little episode. Mom and I talked about... I don't about... know if you'd call it fun. Oh, it's not fun at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fun. It's yeah, not it's, fun. It, it, I, I, I think it's it's a it's entertaining and poignant i would say it you get to learn a lot about what me my my life um you sound very intelligent during the conversation you think so yeah yeah the, you you haven't even listened to it since we, we recorded it but i i remember the whole time thinking this kid is smart oh that's very sweet mother yeah yeah very well, professional well, you'll you'll learn a lot a lot about me, everything from my early years, all of my ailments growing up, which there were that that was plentiful. Oh yes, then you to, didn't even bring up, by the way, when you had a staph infection and ended up in the hospital. You know what else I didn't bring up, and that you blame me for, of course. Oh, a hundred percent, I blame you for it. <laughs> it. You know what else I br- didn't bring up? What? Uh, uh the fact that I was uh, deathly afraid of paper mache. Oh, God, I forgot about that. Yeah, you were, like, ridiculous. Our teacher was ready to flunk you. Yeah, you well, put your I, fingers in the paper mache. That was you just did not, like, okay. you're a tactile person, or, or you got tactile sensitive. I'm, I'm, I'm I very think you're sensitive. sensitive on all, every sense of your, yes. your every sense is, is very sensitive. Yes, I'm very sensitive. Yes, <laughs> sensitive I know. I know that. You don't think I know that? I know no, that. No, but I mean, I knew about the, the, uh, 
you know, the reaction to drugs or the reaction to uh, anybody, you know, saying something negative or, you know, I, I, I never realized, though, that you were tactile. Yeah. Know, phobic, too. Well, well, that was, it, that was just that one experience. Um, and just so you know, I have overcome that fear of paper mache. I think a year later in the, thir- okay. in the third grade. So, or no, no, it, was, it must have been like first grade. It was like preschool or first grade or something. No, like no, 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 no. This is later? It was weirder? Later. Yeah. It was, it was weirder? Like, it was much weirder than that. It was <laughs> literally like you refused. Like, I don't know what they were no, making. No, not like, much later. It, was, it, it had to be it like, like second, second grade. Second or third grade. Okay, so it was not like preschool. It wasn't like I was 17 years old and, a, and deathly phobic of paper mache. Right. It wasn't that. But they, were, I didn't want to deal with the newspaper or the, the, the glue. I, I don't like touching that shit. I know. But, but then, then later I, on. Then I got into it and I fucking loved it. And later on, it, it incorporates your your early need to save every penny. You literally stuck your head in a sink full of crap uh, <laughs> and a dare to make 50 bucks. It was sewage. So, sewage, yeah. Sewage. Now, how how you were able to do that and not put your fingers in paper mache is just a complete contradiction in your personality. I'm constantly, I'm constantly surprising those around me and myself. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoy this episode. We decided because it was my birthday, my mother was going to interview me to find out where I am in life, what I've been through, and uh, open it up to you guys. Yeah, and he opens up. I would like to say there's one part towards the very end where I talk about my relationship to my father now and how I say goodbye to or goodnight to him every night, which is a little weird. This is a little this is a little spoiler alert. Um, and it, I think at the time that I was recording this interview, I, I was a little sleep deprived, which I'm very sensitive to. Yes, you're very sensitive to lack of sleep for and, sure. And I think I didn't. Upon reflecting on it, I I. I said I was considering stopping, and though I have considered that a couple times, for the, on the whole, I think my mother was right. Wow, and, I was right. I think I do this out of uh, gratitude for him and a reminder that I still have him around with me. So when you get to that part... Delete uh, it in your mind. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> it's something I've thought about, but um, I, think I, I think I rest the majority of days on... The feeling that I do it for out of gratitude and and and, and comfort and comfort, yeah, and also it, it does keep his memory alive, which is very important. Yes, yeah. With that, with that, I'm all I'm all emotional and verklempt. <laughs> I got shivers all over my legs. Oh, <sighs> yeah, that's sweet. With I the, didn't even know that until the just you know that you just decided to I dropped that bomb. divulge that. So that's a sweet thing. Yeah, yeah. You're a sweet kid. All right, mother. Sweet twenty seven year old. Thank you. You'd be such a great catch. Okay. Okay. You <laughs> just, just kidding, just kidding. I can only take so many compliments on the show before I start having to defame myself. Defame yourself. Degrade yourself. Degrade, defame, depre- self-deprecate. Oh, self-deprecate. To keep me, to keep me. Uh... Your teeth, your teeth are very straight. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, so for those listeners out there, if you can do one thing for me on my birthday, I'd appreciate if you share this with just one listener. That's it. 
I don't know. Share this with someone who's not already listening. Because the, the yeah, why would listening. you share it with a listener? A podcast, uh, some, yeah. Maybe someone who likes podcasts. Maybe someone who you think would like podcasts. Maybe an enemy. If you don't like this, share it with an enemy. I don't want to share. No, we don't want anybody that's listening to share with enemies. What kind of nonsense is it? No, we, what we're trying to say is that we love doing this, but it's not much fun if we don't get enough listeners. I think so it's, very, it's, it's very fun regardless. It's just, right, it's fun it, regardless. it would help me earn a living at some point in my life if we got more listeners. All right. It's all about money, <laughs> which you're sensitive to, as you know, <laughs> after listening to this. I can only take so much in the starving artist phase of my life. Yeah. Yeah. We got to keep him in the starving artist phase with just a little bit of cushion. So with that said, we don't, as of now, have a humongous listener base. But after you hear this and share it, it may turn into that. And if you have not seen the video of us talking about Kim's texting Nina Hartley, you've got to go onto either my YouTube channel, which is the Karen Lee Potter Show, or Sex Talk with My Mom's YouTube channel and watch that video because it's Bomb ass dank ass hilarious. It is. It's hilarious. You, I can't stop. You did a great job editing it. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, I'm a one woman show over here with the editing. But, but the two of us really worked hard to to just tweak it so that it's at its funniest moments. And it is. If you need a good guffaw, that's a good one. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Thank you, guys, so much for tuning in. Of course, we do have that voicemail, which has been so overutilized. <coughs> Bless you. I don't even we're want to even, talk you know, about We're not even bothered with the damn voicemail anymore. No one calls in. But if you wanted to, I'll still I'll still shout it out. It's 323-472-4237. But we really don't care about that, about that as much as we just want you to share the damn podcast. Come on. It's Come so on diff- already. Why, why are you like holding it? What like, are you waiting for? Are, are you being selfish? Are you being self-centered? Like, oh, I'm only, the only one that can hear this. And you're forgetting about those friends out there that really need to have a good laugh or a good cry or a good like bout of anger towards some of these guests that we've <laughs> interviewed. This reminds me of, uh, it's, it's not uh, funny, it's sick. I was just saying it. Yeah. If you guys never heard this, this is hilarious. It's called That's That Funny, It's Sick. It's from the 70s, literally. I remember it from my college days. And it is, it's probably you could find it on YouTube or something. It is so funny. It's it's National Lampoon. Basically, it's uh, Bill Murray at his finest doing a radio show. It's great. So check it out. All right. All right. And you know what we're going to do now? Oh, you're not even going to sing it? Let me tell you about the birds and the bees and the flowers and the trees. Look at that. I need to let me tell you about that. Yeah, All right. All right. Well. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. I have an idea. Yep. One second here. It's like an early birthday gift for you. I'm going to light a candle. Here it is. Oh, my God. This does not sound like what you were singing. I know this song. What do you mean that doesn't sound like I was singing? It sure did. Yours, you got yours is you got the bird. What is it? Now I can't even think of yours. The birds and the bees and the flowers and the 
Alright, I didn't know the moon up above and the thing called up, yeah, but I got but, everything else. No, but you got, I got it. I got it. What okay? were you gonna say? Or you, how do you sing it? Let me tell you. About no, no, bird. you never said. Let me tell I, you. I didn't about know what the, the. Let me tell you about. Okay, the birds and the bees and the flowers and the trees. That is you all. Got the correct. birds and the bees and the flowers and the trees. Bee Martin, baby. Okay. I'm oh just, my god! I, I had no idea that that was what you were referring to. I didn't either. I don't even know how it came to me, but it came to me. Wow! Okay. What a lovely early birthday present. That is my gift to you. Thank you. So, how are you feeling about turning, uh, what are you turning? 27. Holy moly. Yeah. Can you believe? 27 years ago, on Wednesday. On Wednesday, you... It popped out of you. You didn't pop out. You were a pain and you you gave me a (laughs) great deal of pain. But I always say that that was the only pain you've ever caused me. Thank you. Yeah. I think you probably said that on this podcast. I oh. think that is something that you say a lot. Okay, it's a well, very sweet thing to say. Obviously, it's something that comes from the heart, and I mean it. What am I going to make fun of you for saying this uh, a very sweet thing? Yeah, no, I'm yeah. not going to do that. What are you doing? You're making fun of me. All right, let, let's talk about you. Okay, so here's what. So we were discussing prior to this episode what we were going to do in honor of my birthday. We realized. That while I had interviewed mom in episode three, she never really interviewed me. And for the most part, I don't think our listeners really know me. I don't think they know you either. They know this neurotic, crazy, sex-starved you. (laughs) All right, maybe not sex-starved. They know a side of you that has premature ejaculation. (laughs) (laughs) But they don't know the rest of you. There's more to you than that. Yeah. They don't know what evolved from the time that you were a child till now. That's correct. So let's go through those 27 years if we could. Okay. Year I by have some year. Questions. Year yes. by year. <laughs> what do you remember about when you were a little toddler? I'll tell you a few things that I don't even know if you knew. One is that you had to wear cowboy boots night and day for like a year straight. Oh. And I bought you several pairs. You wouldn't take them off. Even though, like, I think literally you slept in cowboy boots. Okay. With shorts. First of all, I know this because I have fucked up toes now. They go. They go into. Fucked up toes. Yes, of course. Yes, absolutely. You you blame that on me because you said I put socks on that were too tight on you. It was also a problem. There was a lot of constriction on my toes. Okay, so you blame it on a the socks and b the toes in the cowboy boots. Yes. Yes. Okay. Now, do you also know that you used to walk around with a popcorn bowl on your head? Yes, like an I, astronaut. Yes, yes. With I, your blanket. Yes, you had a blanket until you were like, I think you might still have it. Yes, I did know that. Okay, so for you, for the listeners, he was a very odd child. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, very sweet, very thoughtful. Like for example, when uh, you were in kindergarten, every single day you typed on the typewriter, "I love you, mommy." It was very cute. And then you later told me that the reason I did that was because you were having my brother at the time, yeah. and I felt neglected. Oh, it was it was a cry for help. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. But the other part of it was 
that any time that you'd have a special project to make, whereas most kids would make it for themselves, like a ceramic piece at a birthday party, you would literally bring it home for me. Oh, that's the sweet child that you are. Especially even on even on Valentine's Day, you'd buy flowers in the, at the high school and bring them home for me. You're a very important person in my life. It's, it's just it, this is a sweet, sweet person I'm talking to right here. Okay, so question, mother. Yeah. Is this an interview of me or is this you just telling me all the things you know about me? I thought I'd just start by saying the things that I could remember about you. Okay. All right. And then I'm going to go into questioning you as to how, what was it from your perspective? Like, what were you thinking when you were walking around with a popcorn ball on your head? What, what was going on in I, that brain? I clearly entered the world in complete fear and needed to protect my head from any falling objects Good point. That, it, that, it was a self-made it. helmet. <laughs> I know, you know. In all honesty, I, th- I think that I, I probably got positive reinforcement from wearing a popcorn ball on my head. You know, people laughed at me or something like that, and I was no, like, no, "Oh, no, this no. is a fun thing." You would do it when no one was around. So I don't know that it's the positive. I think you're right the first time. I think it was a protective. A it was a helmet. It was a helmet. No, you know what I think it is. I think I wanted to become an astronaut. Possibly. I never heard that before. You, what do you, don't you remember that little tiny book that uh, Uncle Fred yeah. Dantian gave me? That? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I said I want to become an astronaut. Now, you know what I realized the other day? My, you don't want to be an astronaut My any friend walked in. He goes, what is your roommate doing? He goes, I, I said he's a rocket scientist, which he is. So he goes, so a clown and a rocket scientist are living together. That's exactly what this is. It's very bizarre. So that that's why I was going to ask you. So... Up until you were like 13 years old, there was no, there was no, I never heard anything about going into comedy. You always wanted to do something with financial finances. I don't think that's accurate. (laughs) Well, that's what everybody else thought about you. That's what everyone else thought about me. But uh, I don't, I don't think I ever considered that it to be an actual career, but I started in second grade with kid stage. And acting. Yeah, yeah, you did start doing that kind of stuff. Because I was also- horrible at sports. Yeah, I had to default to acting. If I wanted to socialize <laughs> instead of join the gang members outside of school, I had to do acting. Or your sister was doing it and she got you involved in it as well. Maybe a part of it. I don't know. Why do you think you did it? You didn't do all of them. Some of the shows you refused to do. The ones that <laughs> tights, I think. And then there was a part of you that just always saved money. I was a miser. You you kept every penny you ever earned. Somehow you also, had more. Perhaps everyone. perhaps fear induced as well. You know fear induced as well about being yeah. poor. Yeah. So there was a time that you were involved with the financial end of of things. Now, is there anything else you'd like to say about your childhood? Yes. Uh, what what were th- what were some of your strengths and weaknesses growing up? Here are some. Here are some moments in my life that I don't think we've reflected on enough. Number one, I I came out of the womb with with serious hearing issues. You thought I might need to get have ear tubes placed in my ears. That's true. That As is I true. grew older, I developed an issue where I couldn't. I would say in, in uh, I, I think shit really hit the fan in first grade when I couldn't <laughs> stop vomiting all the time. So no, I was wait wait wait. Do you, it wasn't like you couldn't stop vomiting because you had a stomach issue. No no, out of complete anxiety. I would yeah, look at yeah. I would look at my shoe. I'd start vomiting. I'd look at look at a, um, you know, I'd look at a, a, a trash can. I'd start vomiting. I'd look at a human. I'd start vomiting. One time you saw the 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 dog 
crap and you walked over, looked at the dog crap and vomited on the dog crap. <laughs> and it got to the point where my first grade teacher had to sit with me at lunch because I every time I entered the cafeteria, I would vomit. So she'd this have to fair. sit with me at lunch. Yeah. And if I made it through a week without vomiting, she gave me a certificate that she printed out for me that said, congratulations to Cam Poder. She'd fill in my name, Cam Poder, for making it through a week without vomiting at lunch. That's great. Signed, Mrs. Barrow, which is very, very sweet of her. Did you ever get many of those, or was it just like one time? Oh, I got I got several. Okay. I, I, I would actually get a star every day I didn't vomit, and then if I oh. made it through a week, I'd get the whole certificate. It made me wonder why she's putting my name in the first place, as if there are other kids that she's giving the certificate to. <laughs> Who is making it through? I guess everyone is making it through. Most normal kids are making it through a week without vomiting at lunch. <laughs> okay, so you were very then we anxious progress, as a child. Then we progress from the vomiting to the eye situation. Oh, yeah, that's my fault, too. The eye, in seventh grade, I developed... It wasn't seventh grade, it was in second grade. When I was seven years old, in second grade, I went to the eye doctor with you, and it turns out... That I had, she, she's giving me the fucking 3D test with the butterfly where you're supposed to pick out the butterfly. I don't see any butterfly there. <laughs> and she goes, oh, you have a lazy eye, which was a very fun diagnosis. Well, especially when the, the actual eye doctor said to you, well, you're never going to be Michael Jordan, but you'll be all right. And at Wasn't the time, a, I was, I was a, nice thing. at the time, I was a big fan of Michael Jordan. <laughs> he, he, he just burst your bubble right then and there. So... Our, our eye doctor gave gave me a patch to wear <laughs> over my thick rimmed glasses. Well, first he was going to put the like a band aid over your eye for like a year. It's a woman, it's Doctor Fishman. What you don't remember this? Oh, oh no, no. First you went to the other guy. Okay. No, then first you went it was Doctor Fishman, yeah, and yeah. then Doctor Fishman diagnosed me, and then we went to several others to find out is there anything else we can do because it clearly is not getting any better. My eye, for the record, was not wandering; it was lazy, so it was simply. It, it was it was uh, just not working functionally. Yeah, it so wasn't I, one of those ones that you look at the person you don't know where to stare at. Right, right, right. So your eye is all over the place. Okay, there's maybe some of our listeners who have wandering lazy eyes. Okay? Well, I kind of think you do have a little bit of a lazy eye. What the fuck? A little bit. Was, I have a lazy eye. I don't have a okay. wandering eye. It, it's kind of wanders sometimes. No, too. it never wanders. Okay, never mind. Sometimes I see double. I'll tell you that much. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, so I have these thick-rimmed glasses that already make me look like a fucking freak in second grade. And then we had to add... They were gold-rimmed. They were 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 gold-rimmed, right. Yeah. I still looked like a big fucking nerd. Then we put a felt patch on 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 my right eye, and there is a... If this patch didn't call enough attention, this blue felt patch, they had to make a, a cartoon on it of a dinosaur... And it's the cute. dinosaur is wearing a patch, <laughs> and underneath it, underneath this brontosaurus wearing a patch, they write Patchosaurus. <laughs> so obviously that did boost my fucking self-esteem in second grade, which was a very formative year, or at least could have been. Were you, were you, were you thinking that you were cool with the Patchosaurus high glasses? I don't even think I knew what was cool. Either way, it was it was not ideal. Then I went through the phase where I was getting nosebleeds all the time. I had to cauterize my nose twice, which means oh, they yeah. had to bring a torch into my nose because I couldn't. I think out of anxiety, my nose would start bleeding. 
No, it's not. It was just you had dry, dry. Uh, then I had then I had strep throat like seven oh, months yeah. in a row. They had to remove yeah. my tonsils. You're my whole body didn't want to be in this world. Yeah, you wanted to go back into the womb. That was it. Somehow you wanted to stay there. Yes, yes. So basically, I had a very troubled youth. But <laughs> I, I, you know, I, th- you know. It was. Oh, it, wanted, I, I wanted, actually was a very happy child. I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. You were very happy, protective of your uh, friends and siblings. Yeah. And uh, basically, got bossed around by your older sister. That's nice. Yeah. You had a lot of anxiety. I still do. Yeah. Okay. So, and you also had like weird premonitions. What? Just that? You, just that I had a, the premonition that Dad was going to die. Yeah. Yeah. That was the only premonition I had. Okay, well, it was very right spot on. I, th- you know, some part of me wonders whether I was just nervous. And I, I, I so what we're referring to is that. Uh, when, when was that though? I don't know. I think you were around uh, like twelve, thirteen, or something. So it was no- another four years until Dad was murdered. Oh well, those kind of premonitions are. Uh... I don't know if I believe that. Okay, well, I don't either really. way, I would I would run into the room and freaking out, saying, "I think there's something horrible that's going to happen to our family," and it could have yeah. been just anxiety because it was going so well that yeah, I I understood that you yeah. know while while life isn't always up, so I was expecting the worst, and and then obviously a bad thing happened, and then yeah, I would say that, that that's a bad thing. I, uh, it could have been, you know, I don't know. Okay, so for those who haven't really kept up with this entire podcast and don't know our life story. Why don't you fill them in on what happened? In, uh, in 2006, when I was 17, our my dad, your husband, was tragically killed at work. He was murdered by a psycho employee. And uh, as a result, our family grew very, very connected and really held to ourselves together with each other quite well yeah and i so i was actually talking about this last night with a friend so i'm gonna take over the interview for a second right now okay so as a result of this of of us coming together uh when i was right at a critical age you know right at the age where i should be leaving the house to go to college and like detaching from the family I st- we really had to cling to each other to get through this tragedy. That's true. So I think as a result of that, we ended up in a, I mean, this is why we're able to talk so vulnerably and openly together and why I feel very comfortable telling you about my sex life, my, uh, my drug well, habits. Well, you had to grow up pretty quickly. You had to become a man right away. Well, so that's the thing. That's the thing. I don't know if I fully became a man. I, th- I think this is my goal for 20, year 27. You're going to become a man? To become a man, yes. Oh, I like that goal. Because here's the thing. While we, while, it's a double-edged sword, our relationship to one another. Okay. You, you were incredibly supportive of me. And, and this, this relationship allows me. Did you say were like a past tense? No, you are incredibly supportive. Like the other day, for our listeners, I went and did an there were two instances I actually, upon reflecting, uh, I realized I was incredibly grateful to have you around. Number one was when I came to you like three or four days ago and I said, I just found out about this job opportunity to work at a Kabbalah center. I'm kind of excited about it. 
and you were like, okay, stick to the path. Don't get, don't get ahead of yourself. You've been wanting to become a comedian for so long. This is, you know, don't, don't go crazy over here. While most parents would say, yeah, oh, yeah. do do something that's going to yeah. make you a fucking living. You're saying, no, 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 keep being a starving artist and pursue your dreams, which is pretty remarkable. Thank you. And, well, it's and, also based on uh, we've we, you, you dotted your eyes and crossed your t's. You you did look into whether or not financially you'd be able to support yourself while you pursued all the creative endeavors. And I don't want you to feel strapped for cash and having to switch gears in the middle of this whole thing. Right, right. And you did, you reminded me of that, which is very helpful. The other Good. time was when I did an open mic, another open mic where you you're <laughs> able to periscope in and. You did not see every, the people. There were only four people in the room, and so people were like chuckling, but to themselves, barely, you know, barely laughing at all. And when I walked out, we, I called you to to ask how you think the set went, and you started ripping on all the people in the fucking Fuming. session. How like, how they can't even make a chuckle? Yeah, I couldn't hear any laughter whatsoever. You started very, getting so defensive. It's a good thing I wasn't there. I would have been like, so, I would have been. I don't know what I would have been doing. I would have been like laying some smack down in that room. So, and that's, that support is absolutely incredible. I, I, you know, I wouldn't be able to pursue all this comedy stuff if I didn't have you supporting me and pushing me along. Well, it's a mutual thing, and I think that this podcast has been a way that we can uh, really help and support each other on our creative endeavors, and I think that's important. You once said to me, if you could do anything in the world, what would you do? This was years ago, and I said I wouldn't be a talk show host. And look at so, us now. Look, look at us now. So, so back to that. Wait, but so, hold so, on, let, hold on. So, oh. so here's the. But he, it's a double-edged sword. Oh, the double. I, I only wanted to hear the good edge of that sword because you are so supportive of me. I've grown a dependence on you. Oh, okay. And oftentimes, I'll find myself leaning on you when I know I should be able to stand on my own two feet. Like the like the other day, I called you up, and this was after, um, you know, I, I had worked the entire day and I worked the night before, and I felt like I needed to take a break, and I wasn't allowing myself to do that. I I I, I had I had it in my mind that I wanted to I needed to get up and do a stand up set, uh, at an open mic, and I had nothing written and I had no desire to go and I felt like shit. So, and my friend had asked me if I wanted to get dinner with him. And it took everything in my body to say, okay, don't do the stand-up set. Go and have a nice meal. Stop working all the time. You have to enjoy your life. But still, even even when I was like, even when I had already made the decision, I felt like I needed to call you to corroborate and support my decision. I, I felt like I couldn't really fully release and detach from the need to go and do that stand-up set until I talked to you and heard you say, you, you need to take a break. Go fucking do this. I'm go, I'm with D's right now about to get high and watch same, Shameless. <laughs> okay. And, and, and I, I, while I really appreciate that support, and that's exactly what I was looking for at the time, I in the long term, I don't know how helpful it is. It, it makes me nervous. It makes me very worried to be that dependent on you. And okay. it makes me feel like I'm not a fully a man? integrated man without with integrity. Well... well I think that there's probably two parts to that. One is I think everyone some needs a little push now and then when they can't make a 
decision, even if it's a stupid decision. Like sometimes I'm, I, I consider myself a fully actualized woman, but sometimes I'm not in the mood to going to the gym and I'll have to call someone up and say, should I go to the gym? And hoping that they're going to say, don't go. Mm-hmm. You know, so I don't necessarily think that it has to do with your manhood. It's just, just sometimes, sometimes you just need a little, someone just to, to give you the impetus to take a break. Yeah. So I think you're being a little critical on yourself. And the second part of that is that, you know, you've always had a difficult time making decisions. And I think that you seem much better about your decisions these days. You, you've gone from, which is where I wanted to lead anyway, uh, working in a corporate job to doing stand-up comedy. And it wasn't just on my doing. It was all on yours. It was your decisions to, to make these choices, these life choices, which were pretty difficult. In addition, most people have two parents that they can call and rely on. You only have me. So it may seem like you're overly dependent on me, but you don't have anybody else as a father figure to call and ask advice. Right. So I think that's something to consider as well. And I don't think asking for advice mean, makes you any less of a man. I think it just means that you need a little you're just a sounding board. And basically, when you call me up, I tend to not give you the advice that you're looking for. I, can, I tend to listen to what you're saying and reflect back onto it until you came to the conclusion that you wanted. I mean, I, otherwise, because if I knew that you wanted me to say, oh, you better buck up and get over that stand-up thing because this is going to be your last chance to do it before you're going on. Da, 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 da. I would have heard that and I, I could have supported you on that, but I could hear in your voice that that's not where you wanted to go anyway. Right. So just because you need a little extra validation doesn't necessarily mean you're not a man. That's my opinion, but you'll have plenty of time to delve into that in your next therapy session. <laughs> 27, I'd like to become a little more independent. That's a good goal. Nothing wrong with that goal. Yeah. I mean, right now, you live on your own. You don't ask for any money, even if I beg well, you to I take live with, some money. I live with a roommate. I don't know why you're saying I live with me. Well, you pay for your own. Uh, yeah. You pay for everything uh, I'm on fully, your own. I'm fully financially independent. Financially, you're independent. And when you were involved with a relationship, I think you were probably more independent as well. You know, I don't know if you were more dependent on the relationship, but... You seem to be fine with being able to have a relationship with someone else. So I don't know. You have to look into this and see how you feel about it. Yeah. But it's not going to hurt for you to become more independent if that's what your goal is. Yeah, I'd like to be – well, so maybe maybe it's being able to make decisions more confidently in general. Right. I was going to say maybe you just want to be more decisive and not necessarily rely on anybody else to make those decisions for you. Right. right. Okay. I don't think that's such a horrible goal. Nothing wrong with that. So maybe you can call me out. I'll call you out. If I'm if I'm being indecisive and not making a decision on my own, which okay. itself, you having to call me out is a bit dependent on you for doing that. <laughs> well, I'll do it in a subtle way. You won't even know I'm calling you out on okay, it. Okay, good. So let's talk about uh, your corporate days. Okay. So you went to Stanford University and you did stand up there and you did didn't, not stand up. You, stand you did up. sketch and you did improv there. Yep. But basically, why don't you tell us about your major and everything else? I studied public policy. Um, why? Uh, My fault again. No, it was not your fault. It was uh, another uh, indecisive moment on my end, which is that I basically I, I went through like seven or eight different majors 
I finally went to the dean of sophomores, and I was like, "You you need to tell me what the fuck I what major I should do." She's like, "Why don't you do public policy?" <laughs> and then I just did public policy. No, that's not true. I I, I did more research in public policy, and it did it had c- combined all of my interests. It, it combined a lot of psychology and philosophy and economics. I thought I still might have wanted to go into finance after college, so I it, it, we didn't have any finance major. Uh, so this this was getting the closest to business um, as possible. Also, it happened to, to be the case that most of my best friends were also pursuing public policy. So it's and, and I had received advice saying choose to choose your major based on who you want to spend time with. <laughs> so, really? Yeah. Someone was like a few people said like your friends are a good indicator of what you should be studying. That's that is really interesting. Yeah. That, that's I think different than most other schools would do. But maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. I certainly didn't choose social work because uh, I was making friends there. I think I, I, it, wasn't, the it wasn't I, people in, in, at Stanford telling me to do that. It was people at home, oh. like family, friends, and stuff that were saying oh, that. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. So anyway, you decided to go into consulting at uh, you know one of the big uh, consulting firms. Right. And you got paid a shitload of money the first year like ridiculous amount of money for for a first year out of school yeah uh with all kinds of special benefits and travel benefits that you'd be able to fly back and forth throughout the world and all that kind of stuff uh, as long as you're back at work on monday morning so what what uh what was that experience like for you oh it was not it was a miserable experience i was a shell of a man you know, I, I I was doing something I did not want to do, which I think is quite common for people right out of school. These questions seem very uh, superficial, like surface level. I'm, I'm interested in it. What was I it think like our listeners you? be bored. You don't think they're going to be bored? Well, I don't think it would. Be, why would they be bored? I'm, if I'm interested, maybe they'd be interested. Maybe they'd be interested to know how someone would go from a consulting job into comedy. Okay. Well, so okay. If you if, if is I, that what you want to know? How I did that? I do. How did you go I spent from, a like, whole a year hating job, hating it, hating it, and then and what were the you doing day, in it? Like examples of, I mean, there were some funny moments. Maybe you did pick up some comedy from that experience. Well, I was, I spent, I spent four days a week in North Carolina, what, and living in Los Angeles. So I would fly out on Sunday and and fly back on Thursday, which is f- fucking awful. It, it sounds <laughs> fun. But it's really like up in the air that movie where he's he's traveling around and it doesn't really matter what state he's in because he's working the whole time anyway. Yeah, uh, and, it, and it was it felt like I was not really contributing to uh, the companies I was working for. I felt like I was taking money and not really adding value in any any sense. And it didn't it didn't really sit in line with my values. It, I I didn't feel like it was helping the world or raising consciousness or anything like that. Right. So, so th- is that one of the things that you feel that's important to you? Hugely, hugely. I, and I, I knew from day one it was going to be miserable, but I felt like I needed to stay there for a year in order to get uh, my signing bonus. And then it just so happened, listen to this shit, it just so happened that on the anniversary of my starting at, at this consultancy, when the signing bonus became mine, I received a call from, you know, an acquaintance saying, hey, would you be interested in this job, this the, the, this job working in, for... In Los Angeles. Working for a comedy writer. Uh, if so, come in for an interview in like two days, and then three days later I had had the job and I was quitting. 
And I was so surprised because I, I had no idea you were ever interested in writing for comedy. Well, I had been searching for jobs like two to um, two weeks to a month before in comedy, trying to figure out like maybe I can work at U- YouTube and use my my uh, business uh, analytical skills to then launch me into the comedy side so that I can be more creative. And then I entered the creative world just then. It was amazing. So, well, so w- was it a, all around the experience working for the consulting company? Was it a good experience or a bad experience? I look back, I'm very grateful I had the experience, actually. Why? I, if I hadn't had the experience, I, was all, I would always be wondering, why am I pursuing a creative career when I could be pursuing a, a career in, in consulting or anything business-related? And, and it, would, it would be much more stable, and it would, it would provide me with tons more money. Why That's would I sure. ever fucking choose to do this cr- creative, sometimes bullshit and 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 like i mean it's it's a ludicrous career to try to make it in comedy you're i mean it's every time you go to an open mic you're questioning how funny you actually are how talented you are i could see that yesterday and it's it requires so much luck to know the right people to uh to be in the right place at the right time and it, it's it's just bonkers, and it, there's it's there's so much instability and uncertainty that it, it, I would never choose to do this if I didn't know how horrible it was to work in the corporate world. For, right, for so me. you got the yin and the yang there. Yeah, the yin yang. Yeah. For oh. those for those who don't know, this is a, <laughs> this is a concept that I taught my mom. Yes, um, I didn't know about the yin and the yang until you taught me, and I, I fully believe in it. So no, yin-yang yin allows you to see, basically it says you need to see the opposite. Of, you, you're, you can't have a front without the back. Or you have, to appreci- you have to have the bad to appreciate the good. Right, exactly. So, so and they also say that, and I, mean, I think anybody in art is going to kind of feel like you are, like you, you, you've expressed just now. Anybody that's in, you can be music, you can be in writing, you can be in anything. And it, people are always going to doubt whether or not they're talented or whether or not they have the, the drive or anything else. But they always say that, especially with the acting, that you should only go into it if you can't see yourself doing anything else. Right, right. Yeah. So what would you, what would you say you've learned from that experience then? Would you have stayed as long or what, what would you say would you've at the consultancy? Yeah. yeah I, 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 I don't regret any of the time I spent there. Uh, what about the people you're working with? Most of the people around my age, I got along with and, and re- I remained friends with a couple actually. Um, but yeah, I don't think anyone was happy there. I think for, for me, and this is not to judge anyone that's in consulting. It, it, it didn't, it it wasn't fulfilling. It, it I was it was just a way to make a lot of money, right? And you have found this out so much earlier in life, like in your early twenties. Whereas people my age are just finding that out. People in their late forties, fifties, they're just finding it out that that life is too short to be in a career that you're just not happy at, and you're going to work every day and you're doing everything the right way, but you're just not happy. And well, I th- I think that's a real good thing to find out when you're in your twenties to follow your passions because you'll, then you'll be successful. So that's that's the big question. How many people do you know that that did that that, that, hit- that followed their dreams and passions and then ended up successful? 
I know a lot of them. Really? That are, that, yes. That are my contemporaries, yes. As a matter of fact, I was at a 60th birthday party the other day. There was five women. They all started different. One of them went into, she, even though she's still in her, her corporate type of job, she's doing theater at night. She used to be a drama major. You, she's doing total you, theater. I'm saying people out of college who didn't oh. go and, and create a career for themselves, who just took a leap right from the get-go. I'm sure there's plenty of people that are in theater that, that you would know right now. Or and I'm they, asking you. Of oh, your how many do I? Well, my day and age, we weren't. That was not even an option. And and this is this is actually something that people will talk about about millennials and criticize. And they say, you know, you you see, they're not as focused on, on this uh, creating a stable career. They're more focused on what is going to be more fulfilling. And what's and they, wrong with that? I thought you said the Stanford philosophy was that you just follow your passions and everything will be fine. I remember you meeting with clergymen and professors and you talked to a lot of different people and the main message was follow what your passion is that that, that i don't think i don't think it was that i don't think it was that i think it was i think it was find where your passion and your the 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 way you can give back to society can meet yeah Yeah. that was critical are you giving to society by being a comedian i think this is often something that i question uh whether you know the 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 value of of comedy, comedy. And, and you don't know that laughter is supposed to be one of the most healing things on earth it it is but uh how many people need to do it how talented am i at doing it they say she, that here's, you live live like i think 15 years longer if you laugh here's what f- f- touched what do you say touch the cockles of my heart fill yeah. the cockles of my heart yeah what the other day i was with a couple that I'm friends with and they were explaining a conversation that they, that they had in the car and they were like, actually that conversation was prompted by us listening to your podcast. They warm the cockles of my heart there. That's what I want to hear. So the more conversation this prompts, the more fulfilled I will, I think I will be. That is awesome. And I know it makes you feel so good if you can reach somebody, even if it's me talking about, the freedom of sexuality and people saying to me, you know, you, you really taught me something. Someone recently wrote me something on uh, YouTube saying that my, the video I put out about, uh, about uh, the influence of porn and masturbation. He said, he stopped masturbating after that. He realized he'd rather be with a real relationship. Hmm. I was that, that warmed the cockles of my heart. Well, but anyway, back to, back to comedy. So, would you say that uh, you are on the right track at this point? I think TBD. Okay. We'll have to check back in six months. Yeah. I mean, this is only four months or so that we've been doing this. I think we're close to six months. We launched it on, on what day? May 16th? The very end of September. Oh, we're going to get May 16th. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what we did on May We did something on May 16th, but... At the very end of September, it's October, November, December, January, February, and now we're in March. So we're on our sixth month. Yeah, so half a year, and we have a real good feel for how, where we want this podcast to go and who our, who our guests are and who our listeners are. I think this is a good thing. Yeah. And I don't even care as long as we enjoy doing it. Yeah. So what about the pilot that you're planning on writing? Can we discuss that a little bit? It's a, 
I I think maybe I want to get at something because I've I've been very I've been very uh, trying to clip clip these questions. These questions seem so, it's so like what I'm doing day to day doesn't get at who I am. You hey, know? well, who are you then? Tell me about you. Well, I, I'm looking at my desk right now, and I see, and and one side I see a bowler hat, and the other side I see a uh, like a ancient Chinese statue man with a staff. And I think that's a good represent. I think I have both these uh, sides to me, and this is a good representation of who I am. So the the bowler hat represents the comedy that I am involved with. It consumes my thoughts day to day, how to make a career out of it. The ancient Chinese philosopher is is more about how I perceive the world, and and, uh, and that that is really what uh, I don't think has been discussed on this podcast yet. Right, right. And you started reading books. I think you were as early as maybe sixth, seventh grade. You started reading Deepak Chopra and all these other you well, know, I philosophers. You, I think you bought me that, but I never actually read it. But you didn't read it. Yeah. Well, you were interested in spirituality long, long before everybody else would have been even knowing what it was all about. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a big part of me. That's good. I think it is a good part of you. And at one point, you wanted to change the world um, through comedy. Yeah, well, I do. On my Twitter account, if you look at what I, it says, it says comedic healer, which sounds a little pretentious, but at the same time, that's exactly what what, uh, I'm hoping to do. Well, I think if even if what you just said was true, that you know you helped a couple, you're healing. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. So, so what kind? What kind of friend are you? Oh, we haven't even talked about clowning either. Oh well, let's talk about everything. Where do you want to go from here? What kind of friend are you? Is that just a question that you just plopped on? Well, you're saying that you're career-wise, you're very into changing the world. But how are you with your friends? You brought up this other couple. What, what, what would you say? What kind of friend are you? You don't want to answer that question? Pass. Okay. I don't like that question. I think I want to get at this moment. I think I, I'd like to talk about my spiritual awakening. Oh, right. That was a major moment in my life that we I have forgot. not even come close okay. to. Let's talk, let's talk about your spiritual awakening. What happened with that? So, and. I wonder. I, I wonder the reason I wanted to share this. I, maybe, maybe it's because I, I, I think it. I think if I had gone through the spiritual awakening, I would have liked to hear a podcast. I'd like to hear this story. Oh, this because this on. is something that somebody might be relating to if they hear this. Yeah. Okay. Although likely it is very low because I think w- what was required was to go through a huge amount of trauma with Dad's death. Anyway, what what it ended up occur what what occurred was that I was between jobs. And for about a month and a half to two months, I decided I'm not going to be, I'm not going to have a job. Um, I'm going to just focus on my spiritual practice. And I was going to yoga every day and I was doing a ton of meditation and I was going to meditation classes. I was reading a ton about. Well, what do you think prompted that? Different spiritual texts. I think I was dissatisfied with, with my, uh, my, my, my life. I was seeking new answers just well, you trying were, to you figure out the purpose of life. You weren't interested in, correct? Well, I was at uh, I was at one television studio, and we were transferring our deal to another television studio. Either way, I was doing very administrative work as opposed to um, 
creative, creative work, yeah. meaningful work. And I felt like, and I was young. I, you know, I was, I was 25, I think at the time. And I wanted to, I, I was seeking answers. You know, I, I don't think I fully, um, understood what makes me happy. And I was trying to figure that out. So I was doing all these spiritual practices. I was writing, writing morning pages. Uh, I was journaling a shitload. I was reading a ton of spiritual texts. My meditations were growing deeper and deeper. And I stopped being able to sleep through the, the night. I started waking up at like 5 a.m. every day with like this horrible anxiety in my chest. that felt like I needed to pull it out. And I, I would have to like do a walking meditation to get rid of it. I'd have to try to pee it out. It was horrible. It was fucking miserable. Wait, what do you mean pee it out? I, ha- I felt like I needed to go pee. I didn't have to pee, but I, I ne- felt like I needed to get somehow. Oh, ev- sometimes va- the anxiety can, yeah. I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I live my life like that. I had to like eliminate <laughs> this, this negative yeah, emotion yeah. in there. So you were trying to pee it out, shit it out. wasn't coming out. And during my meditation, so it, 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 simultaneously during my meditations were starting to affect how I perceived the world. So dur- while this was all going on, I started growing the ability to control my blood circulation. I started being able to to make my my heart be quicker, make my hands hotter or colder. It's a biofeedback type of thing. There's some weird ass shit going on there. <laughs> and then does this have to do with you being perpetually sleep deprived as well? Well. I, I it was just that I woke up at five. I, I don't think I was actually sleep. I mean, I th- I think that sleep deprivation grew over time. So so then it, at the same time I was per, the the so my awareness of how my body worked inside was improving and increasing. But also my awareness of what was going on outside of me was also increasing, and I started becoming very aware of different. I was making connections that I had never made before. And it seems like what do you mean? You're, there you were, were coincidences occurring all oh, the time around me that I okay. and I didn't know whether it was just that I I was experiencing more coincidences around me, or if I had just become more aware of all the different things that were at play that were coinciding. Well, at what the do same you think time. now? I think it, I think it was the latter. I think it, I think I think it was both. I I'm not but sure. I think, those, I think there's certain times that and that you get coincidences that you have to pay attention to those are big signs and you have to pay attention to them because they happen at weird times for usually me, if there's a trauma associated with it you'll find coincidences and signs that you never saw before and 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 i don't think i think it's definitely related to obviously tra- trauma but it's also has to do with coincidences that that someone is giving you signs that you got to pay attention to for me i didn't believe that I know. And, Do you and believe I don't, that now? I don't think I believe that now. Really? Yeah, I don't think so. Oh, Belmar, I thought you were still in that phase. I liked it when you believed him because I still believe in it. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't know if I believe. See, I you're do, a man. You're able I, to stay. You have a difference of opinion than me. I do think that, uh, I think that there is this after this whole, this thing where your spirit goes on to. Yeah. And you kind of are recycled. But I don't think think that they are at that those that that whole energy is at play i i do think it's very karmic that what you put out in the world you end up getting back and as a result you end up seeing coincidences all the time and i think if you increase your awareness through meditation and yoga you can become more aware of the coincidences going on you just live more in wonder of the world okay 
So that that is what I I'll, I'll say. And so what ends up happening is that I'm I'm isolated. You know, I'm isolated for like these two months. It, you know, I only see people at night. I'm growing growing quite depressed. And because you were locked in an office. No, I'm between jobs. Oh, that was when you were between jobs. Okay, okay, gotcha. And so, in my deepest meditations, I'd start hearing the words "let go, let go, let go, let go, let go," and I had no idea what the fuck to let go of. And eventually, it became harder and harder to sleep through the night. And it, we started approaching Dad's birthday on July third. And I woke up on July 3rd at the same time I did every day at like 5 a.m. because I couldn't sleep through the night. And I went outside on the balcony to watch the sunrise for some reason. And a, a smell triggered a memory of Dad, which led me to bawl and cry. And it was rare that I rare that I cried about him. I know. And then so then I but then I felt much better that day. And then I came, and I spent it with the, my friends, and it was it was lovely. And then, but then I came to the night, and I couldn't sleep at all throughout the whole night, and I felt miserable. I felt sick. I felt exhausted, and I did, I couldn't sleep at all. And then I called you at six a.m. I remember which that, which was eight a.m. your time. Yeah. And I told you I was like, all this weird shit is happening. I'm right. seeing coincidences, and I, I I'm starting yeah, to. Yeah, um, people might call that a nervous breakdown. Yeah, I started getting very nervous. So, and, and then what? Then we started grieving about Dad. I started yeah. really, really. It was the first time I had mourned with you, right? Until in, you know, since his death. And I went back to sleep after this like hour long call, and I woke up three hours later, and everything had changed. I felt like I was rolling an ecstasy for five days straight. The way I perceived the world was totally bonkers. I mean, I was functioning from a place of all intuition. There were no thoughts whatsoever. I could. I was extremely sensitive, like for a week straight, five days, and it tapered off over five days. It was especially apparent the first two or three days. Days. Were you sleeping during that time at all? Oh yeah, like a baby, and. It was wild. I I really felt like I had gone through a catharsis, and I was I had yeah. let go of something. I had broken through a wall of some sort. What I do felt you think? So what do you think that was? Blissful and ecstatic. I I don't know. I think that that crying with with yeah. you about Dad. I think that was right. huge. I think I was yeah. holding on to something that I needed to let go of. Right. And you had a cathartic experience, which uh, that's a form of, of ther- psychotherapy. It was absolutely in, insane, and it changed even during those. And I really felt like I was enlightened. I was complete. I, I really felt in such a blissful state. There was nothing. It was the Fourth of July that day, and nothing. My friend, I was at a party. My friends kept offering me alcohol, drugs, and I was like, "No, you don't understand. Nothing is going to make me feel better than what I'm currently feeling." And that was the day I became a vegetarian because I, I started being oh, able right. to. I, all of my behaviors started being very strange. I only wanted to take like lukewarm showers i didn't want to be uh really hot or really cold i didn't want to masturbate at all when i talked to women there was no lust there was no desire to have sex at all it was entirely love-based uh when i looked into someone's eyes it felt like i could see like deep into their soul like i could see their all this the pain that they've gone through yeah you you were definitely a very uh uh and it, you almost felt—it almost sounded like you were like went to one of these ashrams or something and had this experience. It was totally, totally bonkers. 
and, and ever since then, I started cha- chasing well, it. I started like, chasing the high. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's what got me uh, reading a lot about different spiritual practices and texts right. and talking to different religious leaders and, you know, searching for answers among. Yeah, I remember that. I started therapy around that, that right. time to figure out why the what the fuck had happened if I had gone through a psychotic break. And what I was just trying to figure out what what, what is this whole thing. And, it, and that, in going through that really, um, it gave me a belief that there's there are different ways you very much shape your reality by the way you choose to perceive it. And that was a big realization for me. It was pretty wild. It was unbelievable. Yeah, but that was that was it. And then I yeah. I think I, I, it led me I, to you're not of, alone. You're not alone. But some people could go through something like that and end up cycling into a deep, deep depression. And I'm glad that you ended up going into the euphoria state. Yeah, maybe. But did you feel a sense of relief or or um, freedom and independence? I think it, it, it brought me a sense of hope, you know, that there was something much larger than us at play that we can't always see. And, and so do you feel it has to do with your father? Yeah. No, I'm talking about, I know that was the crux of it. I'm saying, do you think that his spirit is still surrounding you and guiding you in any way? You know, it's this weird, there's a very strange thing that I haven't really, I don't know if I have even told you that um, every night I say, I say goodnight to him, which is I a very strange thing. No, it's not. It's a wonderful thing. And I don't know that. I got shivers right now. Recently, I started wondering whether or not I need to stop doing that. Why? Because I don't know if if it's really... You know, it's... I is don't it, know if it, it's... Is it, like when you had to give up your security blanket? Maybe. It... it it, my security blanket, my blankie when I was Your little. blankie, I had to bribe you with a, I said, I'll buy you a computer if you gave up your blanket. But I'm I'm wondering if you really, uh, if you need to give that up. I Why don't know. I, I, it might and be, for whatever reason, it makes me feel sad to think that you have to give that up. I've just been wondering whether, it, it you know, to, if it's a false belief, like, I don't know the purpose of saying goodnight uh, to something if you don't Put believe it this it's way, there. it ain't going to hurt. <laughs> Air on the side of caution. Yeah. I think whatever caused you to say it in the first place, it, it just came from a gut feeling. So, Well, it know. goes with that standing alone thing, you know, that integrity. Even, even from you, the independence that I look for, I don't know if I can get it if I keep... I don't know. Saying, well, you know, there is stick with it as long as it it brings comfort to you. Yeah, I don't know. Were you doing it because you think it was the right thing to do, or or to keep his memory alive, or to? Is it a superstitious thing, or what was the purpose of you doing it in the first place? I think I believed he was there. But I don't know if, and then I think because 
I've maybe that belief has waned is why I started questioning why am I doing this? It, uh, is this well. just a crux to to try to make me feel a, better? A, a crutch? Crutch to try to Yeah. I think what I I believe that whatever makes you get through each day, it doesn't matter if it's a crutch or not. Well, and you could say that about alcohol. You no, I'm that. talking about something that's obviously not unhealthy. Like people say that church is a crutch. I don't think it's a crutch. If that so many people feel, you know, tied into the world or, or to know, you know, a way a, a way of life, then why is that a crutch? Mm. To be determined in your twenty seventh year of life. Yeah. If I stop saying goodnight to him, if all shit goes, <laughs> all shit breaks yeah. loose. Yeah, you stop saying goodnight to dad, and next thing you know. It's all over. Yeah. Back at the, you're back at the consulting firm. No, I, I think it, it's it's always a good thing to stay connected. At least in, in the worst scenarios, it would remind you that he was part of your life. Yeah. But there is something that's it makes you feel less like like you you're less. Um, of a man or less de- more dependent less independent when when you're when you have these I don't know rituals yeah I don't know people say grace every night does that mean they're dependent no I think that's a little different I don't know I don't know I don't know when you meditate and you think of different people and you wish them good thoughts is that some sort of a crutch too no, I think that's that that is a pra- it's literally a practice to be to being able to get into a mindset where you're you're practicing loving kindness. Maybe this is something what, this is something maybe, a bit different. Why? Maybe it's you're practicing loving kindness to his spirit. Just saying goodnight to him is not the maybe same. Maybe it's, it's it's a form of meditation. It's different, mom. Okay. Well, it, this is you you're a man. You can make this decision on your own. Thank you. Uh, okay. Well, I think we covered a lot of uh We covered a lot of, a lot of ground. I think you right. got a sense for who I am. I got a major sense. for. I didn't even know some of the stuff about you, so I'm sure most people are like, Woo, this kid is deep. <laughs> I hope it's not boring. It's not boring to me. All right. We didn't talk anything about sex. Though you should know that my 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 beliefs on sex are very much affected by my uh, my uh, this whole spiritual practice. I think so. What would you say is is anything going to change now that you've uh, having a, a spiritual awakening? After my spiritual awakening. Well, are you in the middle of your spiritual awakening, or are you? Where are you right now? Are you no, I it consider up? those five days of in, in of enlightenment my spiritual awakening. Oh, this I'm is, talking about sexual awakening. I'm sorry. Oh, my my sexual awakening. Yes. I. Uh, <laughs> I'm try. I'm still trying to figure out why I need to. Why sex is important in the first place? Okay. So, while well, as part of me thinks that this whole, you know pursuing nina harley thing might just be for the story and so that in the future i don't look back with regret uh but i really haven't found uh 
it's not my favorite thing to do to even talk about sex. It's not that interesting to me. Okay. I think it's a, I, the, the one thing I've learned from this is that everyone's a little weird. Oh, uh, so this is this is what I'll end on. I'll end on an upper. An upper. Let's hear it. So my so I'm very I'm very interested in clowning. It's a it's a specific form of comedy, not not necessarily know, with not the rubber the nose, clown. not no, the no. bozo clown. And my teacher is a is a freaking comedic genius, and he works at he worked for a while at Cirque du Soleil, and he said every night he would have to go out there and vie for the audience's attention against the tightrope walker who is walk, <laughs> rocking a tightrope three hundred feet in the air, right. And who's risking his life in front of everyone's eyes. And in order for him to compete against that type rope walker, he had to risk his emotional life. Oh, wow. Instead in front of, of the audience. Wow. And that, mean, that, that meant he needed to do whatever it took and it be so vulnerable to, to make the audience laugh. And which is kind of what drives me to do this podcast. It well, I didn't know about that until after I we had started this podcast, but th- this is kind of what we're doing. You know, it's putting me in, in such an uncomfortable position, the most uncomfortable. I mean, what could be more uncomfortable than talking about sex with your mom? Yes. With the hope that, you know, we're, we're able to spark conversation, uh, grow, learn more about one another and ourselves. And um, we have know. a little fun. And have a, have a little fun, yeah. So in that case, sex is very important to me. But the actual active sex, I don't, I don't really care for it or care to. <laughs> you every, care everyone's for it? real weird about it. That's, what do you mean that, you don't care t- for it? You don't care for sex? It's it's fun and nice, but so is eating a piece of chocolate cake. We'll go oh, back to the chocolate on. cake. Here we are with the chocolate cake again. All right. Well, we decided that it's okay to eat chocolate cake, and it's also okay to have sex. And it's okay to masturbate and whatever else. So, and it's it's going to be okay if you decide to have sex with Nina Hartley, and if if you don't, that's going to be okay too. Yeah. So I wish you a very happy birthday. Thank you, Moot. Very I love proud you. of you, and uh, you impress me every day. And this conversation just never see this conversation impressed me even more. Aww. You never cease to amaze me. Thank you, Moot. And with that, I'm going to say, you want to hear more of this shit. <laughs> Subscribe to the goddamn <laughs> podcast, will you please? <laughs> Share it with one friend, okay? There's a lot of people out there that are in that situation of trying to find themselves, especially if you're in your 20s. But it, as I said, there's people in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s and up that are still looking to find themselves. Anyway, we, we all know now what this is going to be. Let me tell you about the stars in the sky. Oh! Oh my god. Oh my god. I can't even. Wait a second. You nailed it. All right. Do, do, do I need to sing it? Or is Dean Martin enough? That's enough. All right. Or maybe give us a little. Let me tell you about the birds and the bees and the flowers and the trees. Thank you guys for listening. Love you all. Bye-bye.
time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.